Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey friends, happy to have you back for the podcast today. I love bringing you new content every single week and this week is no exception. This episode is going to be all about how to close clients and stop making those little mistakes that you're probably making right now in your sales processes. So it might be when you're first just chatting with someone, let's say on social media or through an email, a potential client and maybe you've made a few errors and they don't turn into a a purchasing client or maybe they don't go that next step to become your client. Um, we're also talking about potential like sloppy errors or technical errors that you're making in some of your content that's not converting people. Or perhaps it's that you're not actually outlining why they should work with you to begin with or what makes you different than the other nutritionists around the block and that they should pick to work with you. So I actually have my sister-in-law, Anne-Marie Egan, here to talk all about this topic. So Anne-Marie is the founder of ProfBid, a proposal consulting firm that specializes in professional services. And she's kind of a unique guest. She's not a holistic nutritionist. She's not, doesn't come from a nutrition background or a wellness background. Um, But I just knew that Anne-Marie was the right person to bring on because she has worked in very um, big corporate settings with lots of like high level um, businesses and entrepreneurs and really knows what she's talking about when it comes to converting somebody who could be a potential client into a paying client. So 100% I knew she was the right person to talk on this. We dig into so many things here. Um, She provides so many examples on what to do and what not to do when trying to get a client to work with you. And then I actually take what she um, teaches and I um, share with you guys real life nutrition examples on how you can actually implement this in your own business. So it's such a cool conversation. I love that I was able to bring my sister-in-law on. You know, that's why I do this, you know, to create connections and community. And it's so cool that I can bring family on. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do, I would love for you to share it on social media. Tag me. um, Let us know if you loved it. Leave us a review. You know, every time you share it and you leave reviews, It really helps us to do what we keep doing. And I appreciate it so much more than you'll ever know. So if you do love this episode, definitely shout it out and let your friends know. So let's uh, dig in and get ready for today's episode. Hey, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. Yeah, I am super, super excited to have you. Um, I know I say that all the time, you guys, (laughs) and I am always excited. (laughs) of my guests, but Anne-Marie is a special guest. Anne-Marie is actually my sister-in-law, so I have been together with her brother for many, many years, and um, she's a really special person to me. And she's also very, very smart when it comes to um, marketing and writing proposals for clients, working with clients, learning what's working and what's not working. And that's really why I wanted her to come on today, because um, although she comes from a more corporate business background, I just knew that what she has to say about working with clients um, bringing clients on, like, you know, persuading them to work with you and also learning what not to say or what not to do was going to be really helpful for you guys. So Anne-Marie, why don't we just get started with you telling us a bit about your background and marketing and proposal writing and so on. 
Sure. Um, so as Stephanie mentioned, uh, my name is Anne-Marie Egan. Um, I'm a new business owner. I just um, founded a consult, a proposal consulting uh, business called ProfBid um, based in Toronto. And we work exclusively with professional service providers. Prior to starting ProfBid, um, I worked for pretty large uh, professional service firms in both marketing and business development uh, and proposals in particular um, at firms such as Grant Thornton and Deloitte. Um, you may have heard of them. And I'm really excited to be here today. And what really drew me to be on the podcast today is this is really the first time I will ever, you know, provide sort of advice or a consultative point of view on this topic as a business owner myself and someone who is who has and is going through the same process, um, which has been a really humbling experience for me to, you know, be in the driver's seat and to sort of take my own advice for the first time in my career. So I'm uh, really happy to be here again. Um, and thanks, Steph. I'll give it back to you. Yeah. So I think you make a really good point that, you know, when we work in a more formal setting or corporate setting like you did for these bigger corporations, um, you have to follow like probably specific strategies or specific um, protocols that they give to you at work. But then when you come out and do this on your own, it's like yourself, you're relying on yourself and you have to kind of take what you've learned in these other, you know, business opportunities and now like put it back into your business, which even though we have some background or skill set there, it might even feel 10 times harder to do that for yourself in your own business. Oh, totally. Every, every element of it for sure. And, and especially when it comes to closing clients, um, that's probably, and I'm sure a lot of, uh, your listeners can, <laughs> can empathize. Like that's the scariest part. <laughs> like it's, a, it's really, it's way, way, way easier. Well, maybe not, not for everyone, but I, I feel it's a lot easier to sort of promote yourself. But when it comes to actually closing the clients, um, it is really, it can be scary. So um, yeah. that's sort of what I want to talk about today and, and help um, some of your listeners, you know, break through some of those um, challenges that they might be having, or maybe they're not even recognizing at this point. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk a lot about fear on this podcast and we talk a lot about, you know, um, those mindset blocks that come up, you know, just to even put yourself out there. So we won't get into that today. But then that other big fear of, well, maybe I won't even try to get the clients because they might say no anyways. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to feel rejected. Or we're going to feel embarrassed. Um, so I am really super excited to have you here to talk about, you know, what are those kind of top reasons why people are failing at, you know, signing on a client or closing a client, getting someone to work with you and um, some tips and tricks for, you know, really helping to convert more people mm-hmm. and have a better success rate. So why don't we just get started and why don't you start with telling us, you know, some of the key reasons people fail to close a prospective client. So in the case here, everybody being nutritionists, you know, maybe they've promoted their services, they're, they've been talking about, you know, um, everything they're really good at, how they can help a client. They maybe have even gotten a client on the phone or something, but it just doesn't turn into a sale or it doesn't turn into a relationship. Like what's going on here? Yeah, um, definitely. And one thing I'll say, even before I get into the details on it, is that, um, you know, communicating at this stage of the process when you're getting ready to sign a a new client is actually so much easier than people realize. Um, And a lot of the time people put in so much unnecessary effort because it really is that simple. And I hope I can share some of that with you today. Um, So I'd say um, number one, uh, I'm going to go through a handful of reasons, but the first one and probably the most easily corrected reason that people may not close with a client is not restating um, and driving home 
what the client's issue and desired result is. So you'll have learned this, you know, if you've done, if you've done your scoping properly, you'll learn what those things are um, in the beginning of your conversations with your clients. So, you know, what, what is the issue that they're dealing with and what are they trying to achieve? Like what is the after result they're looking to achieve as a result of working with you? Um, so these are things that you really need to continue um, to communicate to your client throughout the process. So if you're developing a program that's based on what they've shared with you, make sure that you're reiterating those, you know, just really high level issues and desired outcomes that they're looking for when you're getting ready to pitch to them, right, or, or propose a service to them. Um, and it really ties back to something simple. Like, it's funny, when, when we make purchase decisions, no matter what it is, so just think of anything as an example. When we make, per or when we're trying to make a purchase decision, we know all we're really looking for is, is you know, our, our, our product seller or our service provider to know what it is uh, that we need, you know, their product or service to do for us, right? And so if we don't confirm that understanding with our prospective clients, um, they're, they're less motivated to work with us, right? So um, confirming those issues and desired outcomes up front um, is what motivates them to act and it shows them you've listened and really assures them that continuing to deal with you is worth their time um, and ultimately their investment, right? So um, that's, the, that's the first thing. Um, do you have any questions on that one before I keep going? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you bring up so many good points there. Um, I could do like episodes just on some of the things you just said, because I think really a lot of us forget right from the get-go that if we haven't clearly identified what the problem is, mm -hmm. and you guys have might have heard me say like pain points before, like what is the pain that the client's experiencing? So let's just think it's like digestion, for example. Um, we need to know like what are they experiencing daily? Is it bloating? Is it gas? Is it upset stomach? What is it? You know, what is that pain? And then how do they want to feel? Likely, they don't want to have the pain and the gas anymore. They don't want to have the bloating. They want to be able to go out with their friends, eat food wherever they want, so on and so forth. We need to like really be clear on the problem that they have and the, like you said, Amory, the desired outcome that they want because they're going to buy from the emotional place. Exactly. You know, does the practitioner get me? Yes or no. But if we're trying to sell the like, oh, well, you get 10 calls and you get, you know, um, five email check-ins and we're not really talking about the emotional part of why they would even buy to begin with, we've kind of missed the boat. Would you agree? Yeah, exactly. That's it. And I, what you just mentioned, like the emotional element of it, like that's dead on. Um, if we're sort of like tugging at what's what's really bothering them, uh, like you said, whether it's a digestive issue, what have you, um, and what they're really trying to like, what the future looks like for them, like those are that's what really drives it home for people, and that's what motivates them to act and to continue to work with you. Um, so I would say that's probably the most important thing that we can do to help uh, close close clients. Um, so that's example number one. Number two is not communicating, this is a mistake, not communicating persuasively. So I'll explain what I mean in a second. But what maybe um, in the context of your listeners, um, some of you may have just graduated from school, you're starting your business, you've just gone through either several months or even years of, of school where you're learning really technical terms, um, and you're right in there. And, and because you know this stuff, it feels very normal, like everyday language to you. Um, but to someone like me, I you might you might 
you know, say a few things to me <laughs> and I wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about. So um, that's the difference between informative communication and persuasive communication. So when we're trying to persuade someone to work with us, we need to take that sort of informative level, which is highly technical. Um, and we really need to, I don't want to say dumb it down, that's the wrong term, but we just really need to keep it simple. Um, and again, we need to go back to what those simple needs and desired outcomes are um, for our prospective client. Um, and we do that by using what's called persuasive structure. And there's four parts to persuasive structure, and they're really, really simple. And we've actually already touched on two of the four. Number one of persuasive structure is acknowledging your client or your prospective client's needs upfront. That's the first thing you need to do. What, what is their pain point? What do they need from you? What's their problem? Number two is confirming those desired outcomes. What does the future look like? What does success look like in working with you? Number three is presenting your solution. So that's your program, what you've designed for them. And again, when you're outlining that solution, you really want to drive back each part and how it helps to achieve that desired result. Because again, you're dealing with people who don't necessarily understand everything that you're talking about. So you just really want to, you really want to communicate in a way that's just going to make so much sense for them. And then the final piece to persuasive structure is providing you know, evidence or proof that you can deliver on what you're telling them that you're going to do. So early and stuff, you can probably weigh in here a little bit more than me um, in, in your space. Um, but examples of evidence or proof, um, someone who's a little bit further along in their business might have client testimonials. Um, that would be one example of proof mm -hmm. or evidence. Is there any examples you can think of, stuff that maybe some of our new graduate listeners might, might be able to, to pull from? Yeah, because I know you're totally right that, you know, the further along you are in your business, you've worked with a few people, you have those testimonials starting out, you're like, oh, I don't. Right. And that can feel a little tricky. So a few things that I would recommend at this point is potentially um, bringing on a few like tester mm -hmm. clients. So maybe they're free or maybe they're low cost. And you're just going to run them through maybe like a small iteration of your program or a few coaching sessions. And you're going to say explicitly that, you know, you're doing this for free or you're doing this at a low cost in return for really stellar testimonials. Totally. So obviously you're not going to like persuade them to like give you a testimonial if they didn't like the services, but you're just going to say like, that's the expectation that at the end you're going to get a testimonial. Um, another thing might be if you're still in school and you're doing some case studies, you know, um, free clients while you're training in school, ask those people for testimonials, ask them for some feedback, ask them for some, you know, um, where they were when they started, you know, working with you and where they are now, right? Something very simple, one or two sentences. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what else. I think a testimonial is probably one of the mm -hmm. biggest drivers to have people convert them from, you know, not sure if they want to work with you to feeling confident enough. Because I think we all have that fear that we're going to be the first one, you know, so we want to know that a bit of risk has been taken away because someone else has gone through the process before. Totally. Us. And I, I think that's a great idea of, you know, potentially offering a free service. Um, I mean, that's, I think that advice works for anyone starting a new business, um, especially in a consultative form. So um, yeah, I think, I think those are two really good examples. I wanted to break it down even further, yeah. if you don't mind about persuasive structure, because the way you said it, I was like, light bulbs going off like this makes so much sense to even what I teach in terms of let's say how to write a social media okay. post right or how to write like a sales page and so you had set up first that you're gonna um you're gonna outline what their pain point is so let's just say it's the digestion thing again and we'll just use that example throughout so 
the first thing might be, okay, you're outlining what their pain point is. So, you know, you're feeling um, every day you're waking up and your pants are already too tight. You can hardly get the button done up. You're already bloated and you've only had like a banana and you can't imagine what you're going to feel like the rest of the day. And anyways, you're trying to paint that scenario of what they're actually feeling. And then you move into the desired feeling of imagine if you could wake up and bounce out of bed throw your pants on, button them up, feel amazing and not go through the whole day without getting bloated and uncomfortable and go to bed knowing you spend time with friends and family and ate all the food you love without, you know, having any kind of digestive issue. And then from there, so you've now painted, you know, imagine how they're going to feel. Their emotional, you know, body's going to be like, yes, like that sounds really good to me. And then you're going to then um, offer up the solution, which is going to be your program or your offering. So imagine working together to like get through all these issues to balance the digestive system. Well, we can do that in my one-on-one, you know, digestive coaching program, beat the bloat program, whatever it is. And then you're going to follow up with that testimonial, which is just going to drive it home even more. It's going to give them that trust. It's going to give them that support of somebody else having gone through it and showing them that, yeah, you know, I've been able to help other people with this. And then it's kind of that whole persuasive package. Yeah, no, I'm sitting here kind of mesmerized. I'm like, wow, <laughs> she's she's really got this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Like Steph, honestly, it probably maybe hasn't been put into these exact terms, but you you already do this. <laughs> so um, definitely, I would say a lot of a lot of um, Steph's communications um, are are a great example of of persuasive communication. Um, and it really is as simple as that. So uh, the four steps, like Steph mentioned, you know, identify the needs, confirm the desired outcomes, pre- present the solution and offer the proof, offer the evidence that you can and help. And as we talked about before, that could be a little bit more difficult. I mean, even in the beginning, just being able to share some of the, you know, your credentials is even helpful. Um, if you don't have, I mean, obviously, if you're operating as a holistic nutritionist, you'll have credentials. But I mean, it's good to sort of showcase some of the accomplishments you might have um, achieved along the way um, before you sort of get your business off the ground. Mm-hmm. But yes, Steph, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Could they even use their own personal story? Like, let's say that right now they don't have a program or something to sell, but they just want to like persuade, like, this is how I felt when I was going through this. This is how I felt after doing, you know, nutrition or whatever it is. And here's like what I was able to accomplish. Like, could that be a compelling way to like build trust with the potential client? Definitely. And I I know I listened to a a couple of your podcasts um, before coming on the show. And I know Mm -hmm. um, you guys talk a lot about niche. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. I think um, some of the advice advice around niche was, you know, maybe an issue went through yourself. So when you talked about telling a story, so maybe, maybe you were able to, you know, relieve some issues for your, for your own, your own self, um, through your holistic nutrition training. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's your testimonial. Maybe, maybe you're able to share like, listen, I solved this issue for myself. This is what I did. This is how long it took. And and that's your, your testimonial in the early days. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely that could be an example. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So what's the next, what's the next stage that we go to? Um, the third reason um, I want to talk about is not providing a really excellent reason to hire them. So I'm going to use, uh, sorry, so I'm going to use you as an example again for this one. Um, I'm talking about a value proposition. So basically a value proposition is all the value, everything that your client is going to get for their investment in you. So I'm talking about your program. I'm talking about any sort of additional value that you offer, whether it's you know, additional coaching, like Skype coaching, maybe it's templates, maybe there's so many different things um, 
that that you know, you could offer as a means of value um, and make sure that you include that in your in your sales proposal or in your in your program proposals. Um, so an example of that, if you go on Steph's website and I know Steph, you're 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 not practicing as a nutritionist right now, but as a business consultant. But what you're doing on your website is really clearly outlining all of the value that your clients receive um, as a result of investing in you. And I think that's super important. And that's something that people don't do enough of. Like, don't assume that your prospective clients are going to know everything that they're going to get from you. You really need to spell it out and list them. Like put put everything that you offer in a list of basically the package that you're offering to them. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think so many of us um, don't reiterate it sometimes we might say it Mm -hmm. once like on the sales page but then let's say we're on a sales call or discovery call we don't say it again and I think we assume people have seen it they've read it but the amount of times I've been on a call with someone um, and they need me to say it one more time or maybe they've had to ask specific questions like I think the biggest takeaway here is that this is kind of now like the nitty-gritty of what they're getting for the money that they're paying yeah, so they want to know at least like what is the amount of value that I'm going to totally. get back. So ultimately, really, what we need to do is we need to be communicating our value proposition. What is the total value um, that our clients are going to are going to get from uh, from us and in, in in engaging us um, as a holistic nutritionist? Um, and that sort of brings me into my next point, um, which is another mistake people make in not differentiating themselves. So you can have like the most amazing value proposition. You could have all sorts of extras added to your program that are super beneficial to your to your clients um, but you might have you know you might have other nutritionists that are doing the same thing so what's going to separate you from those other nutritionists right and that's where where we we really need to find ways to differentiate ourselves from other nutritionists in our markets and I know I, I understand that this is a very friendly community I can feel that um, but ultimately you are really competing against other nutritionists and that's why we get into things like niches and stuff like that um, so it's really important to look at understand who your competition are who your competition is and what differentiates them um, from you and vice versa. So that could be something as simple as, um, you know, how you operate. Certain nutritionists might only do consultations through Skype. Uh, You might be available to do in-home or in-office visits, and that might be particularly important for a certain audience. Um, So that could be one example of a differentiator. Maybe you have multiple designations that will give you more authority to provide advice on certain things that other nutritionists um, can't in your area. So really, I guess it really ties back to who your um, target audience is um, and who your competitors are in your market to really understand what those differentiators are. So I guess what I'm saying is they will vary based on who you're trying to sell your services to and who else is is operating within that market. Uh, Does that make sense, Steph? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And this is something that I definitely work on with um, my clients as well, because um, I get this all the time. And you really hit the nail on the head here that like, um, you know, although we are a very um, beautiful community, and we all want to support one another and cheerlead one another, you know, in the end, it is really, you know, well, who's going to get the business, right? Is it going to be practitioner A or practitioner B. So we can really set ourselves up um, in the best way possible that when a client or potential client comes in, we're representing, you know, ourselves so that they can get a sense of who we are. And I think at least the way I work with clients around this is having them also get a good sense of what type of practitioner Mm -hmm. they are. So this is just a way to differentiate yourself. But 
you know, maybe one type of practitioner is very um, science-based and really likes technical terms and wants to work with um, clients who have like a higher understanding of nutrition. They want articles, they want research, you know, you can promote yourself in that way that you go deep, the nitty gritty, you know, you get into the science, you, you like, give them a lot of resources. Um, or maybe that the way you work is you're more heart centered, you listen, you communicate, you take um, time with them, you really provide space for them to talk and for you to listen. And that's a very different feel. So I think your client would probably pick and choose based on the type of person they are. So if you are more clear on who you are as a practitioner, they have more clarity on which person they'd rather work with. Totally. And I think, you know, in the interest of being supportive of the community, knowing your differentiators and knowing your competitors' differentiators is actually helpful in providing that support. Because if you have a prospective client that maybe isn't the right fit for you and you know it, and there is someone in your community that's a better fit for them, you can make that referral. And I think that's a very, very valuable way to run a sustainable business is having that sort of sense of um, community and, and being able to refer clients to, you know, the appropriate practitioner. Uh, when yeah. it makes sense. That's a great point. I really like that you said that because you're right. We might not always be the best fit, but if pe- other people aren't being clear about who they are and how they can help, well, we won't know who to promote or who to refer mm-hmm. to. Right, so it's right. kind of for all of us to be quite clear about what we do and how we do it differently so that um, we can refer out or we can make suggestions for clients if they're not a fit for us. Totally. Um, okay. And then we are on to, I think, number five, um, the number five mistake that people make, uh, and that is being too technical. And we talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, so this isn't only coming from the standpoint of, you know, coming out of, um, like nutrition college or nutrition school and having dealt with, you know, maybe uh, very technical topics for the last several months or years, but also if you even just like bring it back to childhood and so I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. We, in school, we're all, we're all sort of taught like, you know, the bigger the word, the more intelligent you are. If you're writing a school essay, you know, as you sound as smart as you possibly can sound. And that is what's going to get you an A plus, right? Like that's sort of what we're conditioned to think rightly or wrongly. Or maybe I'm aging myself. I'm not sure. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess my my point is this approach doesn't work in sales. So uh, as as I said, we talked a little bit about it earlier. But what you want to do is really just like, you know the expression where where you're you're accessorizing to go out for the night and and they you know the expression is to take one thing off before you go out and it's the same way when you're sort of trying to communicate with clients so like go go to the level of um your you know or try to match the level of your of your client's vocabulary and i'm not talking about your client not being as intelligent as you or whatever they're just not as well versed in the topic obviously that's why they're coming to you for help but i would take it to the level you think that you need to be at and even go back a step, right? Like you really just want to get back to basics. Like what are the issues and the, and the outcomes that your client's looking for? So um, again, that's sort of the mistake that some people tend to make is they get too technical. And I'm not even really talking about, um, you know, scientific terms. I'm even talking about something as simple. And Steph and I were chatting a bit before the, the podcast, but, you know, on Instagram right now. And and I am definitely um, a wellness advocate, but I'm, I'm by no means an expert in, in any of it. Um, I definitely try to stay healthy, but 
things like, you know, turmeric, um, kombucha, stuff like that, stuff that might be really obvious to the nutrition community as to why these things are beneficial for people. That's not obvious to me, someone like me. Um, so I definitely think that you want to make sure that when you're, when you're spelling out what your programs are and your solutions are, that you're really like getting down to the basics. Like this is what this will do and, and why it's, it's good for you at this stage. Um, and, and, and in terms of, of sort of getting to the place that you want to be. So uh, that's mistake number number five that people make is just sort of being too technical and not matching um, their client's level of understanding um, and, even, and vocabulary, both. Yeah, no, I mean, this is like the biggest problem that I see. Or this is, I think, also one of the biggest fears that a lot of people have is like, are people understanding what I'm saying? Or I'm putting things out there and like it's going over people's heads or people aren't liking or commenting and like you're just not connecting Yeah, is really what it comes down to, right? Totally. Something you're saying is not connecting with them. And um, I think number one, like you said, it's using terms like turmeric, kombucha. Um, well, earlier I was saying hydrochloric acid, yeah, right? Yeah. Cool would know that like, you know, stomach acid. But if I said to my, in my Instagram post, like, I'm going to help you balance your hydrochloric acid. I don't know if anyone would be excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone would be throwing their credit cards at me. But if I was to, you know, use language or get on the level, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like you're experiencing so much bloating, you can hardly go out with your friends at night. That makes more sense. And that's more on the same level of what they're actually experiencing. Totally. And the other thing, yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say here was um, we also, in my Launch Your Nutrition Biz, group program we talk a lot about this because we do client interviews so when we're coming up with an idea for a program or an offering that's all good to have you know I know I want to have a digestive program but if you don't know what your potential client wants and needs and also the language that they're using to describe their wants and needs um, you're going to miss the boat because it's going to be from a personal standpoint, I'm going to say these words and hope that it resonates with the client. Instead, what we're doing through client interviews is we're actually going to the client, we're learning their language, and then we're using their language back to them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do that in the corporate world? Like any kind of market research for language? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So staying, making sure you're staying away from any like jargon or big words, you know, it's not about the like, biggest word you can use sounding the smartest in the room it's about like pulling it down to what are they actually saying how are they feeling yeah exactly matching their vocabulary okay and and it takes some training to even do that like you really have to condition yourself um because something that might be completely normal um you know vocabulary for you uh, on a on a daily basis might not be for other people so really it really takes some self-awareness um to recognize it right so Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it sounds like that's, that's great if that's a part of your course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, I've done it where I didn't have that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And creating my programs and being like, Oh, why is this not resonating with anyone? Why is it not catching on? It's like, because I just decided, um, that it made sense to me, mm-hmm. but I didn't actually survey to see if it made sense to anyone else. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a really important piece. Yeah. Um, and I guess the last, the last, uh, mistake, uh, that I want to talk about that people make, and this is a really simple one. Um, and it's, it's less sales based, but it's, it's about just being, I'm, I, I guess there's no other way to say it. It's being sloppy. So, <laughs> um, so I'm talking about credibility killers. So things like spelling mistakes, um, 
you know, maybe, maybe you use, maybe if you're preparing uh, programs for prospective clients, you use the same documents over and over again, and maybe you accidentally, you know, don't update a part of that document, and it's very apparent that you've written it for someone else. And that's really tough mm -hmm. um, as a prospective client to see. Um, it shows sort of a lack of attention to detail. And honestly, it, it sort of paints a picture in their mind that maybe you're not someone who's organized and that's going to give them, you know, what they're looking for. So it's super, super important um, to be really cautious about how you're communicating, um, especially in writing, because stuff like that's out there, right? <laughs> so if you're on a phone call with a client is one thing, but if you're communicating um, in writing with clients, you really want to be careful. So, you know, in you know, in the age of things like Grammarly, which is a, you know, you, there's a free version, but there's also a very inexpensive pro version that actually I use and I find it hugely helpful and actually makes me a better writer. Um, I would highly recommend using programs like that when you're dealing um, with clients um, and communicating with clients just to try to avoid those things. And also just keep your eyes open because tools like that won't obviously pick up every mistake. Um, as I mentioned before, using maybe the wrong terms or maybe reusing um, an email email template or, or a document that you tend to use with clients. So um, I think that's that's sort of a, a smaller one, but it's also, it can be really like the icing on the cake for some people if, if you make mistakes like that. So it's, so it's super important that you put, you put forth a professional image that you are, you know, you're, you're not, you're not rife with spelling errors or, or mistakes mm -hmm. um, that can sort of uh, kill your credibility. Yeah, absolutely. And I think continuing that on throughout your time with them, because I think a lot of us can work, and I don't know what you think about this, Amory, but a lot of us can work so hard in trying to engage the client to work with us. Mm -hmm. um, and we put a lot of effort into that. We put a lot of time, you know, we're trying to make the sales process so important and make them feel really good. And then when they come and work with us, we get sloppy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or we're not, you know, yeah, giving them the same level of care that we did, you know, before they actually became a client. So do you guys find that too in the corporate world that like, it needs to continue on, like not just the proposal part, but you know, throughout the entire process. Oh, definitely. And I think that it's somewhere it's really becomes apparent is with email communication. Like you really, I mean, especially if you're, if you're starting a new business, like it's a busy time. <laughs> you're doing everything you're doing, you know, you're wearing 10 different hats and it's really easy to sort of be quick on, on email responses. And you want to just make sure that you're maintaining, you know, the maintaining and projecting the image that you're, that you want and that you want your clients to see you as um, consistently. So I definitely think that's um, a really good point to make is continuing that level of care um, through, throughout the client journey. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow, this has been so helpful. I mean, and just to give you guys a bit of background, so um, it, it wasn't even on my radar at the time to have Anne-Marie on the podcast. I don't know why I didn't think about having my own sister-in-law because she's brilliant, but it wasn't even on my radar. And then she had written an article for her profit um, business all about what we're talking about today. And I read this and just thought, this completely relates. This is almost everything I talk about just in different language. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for breaking this down and making this really usable for my community because everything you talked about um, was so actionable. And, and I, I see so many people do some of these mistakes and I hope that they learned you know, how to kind of reverse those in this conversation. Totally. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed sort of hearing your perspective on each of these items that are to sort of help tie it back to uh, to your listeners. So great. I was, I had a lot of fun doing this. 
Yeah, thank you, Amory. Why don't we just go over it one more time and just summarize the, is it six points? Yeah, let's just to sort of wrap it up. Um, so the six takeaways um, from today's uh, podcast, number one, remember focusing in on your client's issues and desired results and making sure that you restate those things throughout the uh, the process of uh, bringing on a new client. And even through, you know, even through the program, you want to make sure that you're keeping um, them focused on, you know, the prize. <laughs> so um, number two is using persuasive communication. So that's talking about, you know, starting with uh, your client's needs, following up with their desired outcomes, presenting your solution and offering evidence or proof that you can deliver on what you're, you're telling them you're going to do. Um, so those are the sort of the four points of per- persuasive communication. Um, three is providing an excellent reason to hire you, making sure that they know everything they're getting um, for, through signing on with you, your value proposition. Number four is differentiating yourself. So we talked about, you know, making sure that depending on who you're who you're trying to attract um, and who else is in that particular market, making sure that you're differentiating yourself. Um, and also, being aware uh, of your competitors so that if a client comes to you who or a prospect comes to you who perhaps isn't the right fit for you being able to refer um, to others in your community to sort of maintain the camaraderie that you guys have uh, worked so hard to build number five is adapting your language right so avoiding technical terms um, avoiding the big words that we think make us sound more intelligent and really just trying to sort of match your client's vocabulary and their level of understanding and number six uh, we talked about earlier like just really being cautious in your written communications, Um, you know, avoiding those credibility killers, uh, typos, using maybe the wrong information, maybe pulling things from other places that you accidentally, you know, didn't, didn't want to. So um, those are sort of the six, the six things that we covered today. Um, And as I mentioned before, if you guys have any questions, like, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to chat. I'd love to talk about this stuff. Um, And again, thanks so much for having me uh, today, Steph. It's been so much fun. Yeah, this has been so much fun. And um, I'll make sure to put um, all of your info in the show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, I know that you're so kind and giving with all of your expertise. So I'm sure you would um, be happy to hear from people if they had more questions. And yeah, thank you again so much. This has been super helpful, not only for me to reiterate, you know, the things that I need to focus on in my business, but I'm hoping for everybody else, you know, you gave a really good roadmap for them to, you know, starting out or even if they're further along in their business, how to just really look at the sales process in a really clear Mm -hmm. way and kind of cut the fluff. Like I feel like we feel like there's so many steps or so many things that have to be done and you really just help to like cut out the noise and say like focus on these six things and you're going to do great. So thank you so much. No problem. Thanks again. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.